0: Started baking together, and our friendship really hasn't existed without Hala. The first time we hung out was with, to bake Hala, and then she asked me what kind of weird stuff I had ever put into Hala, and it wasn't that weird. So we just started experimenting and hanging out and baking Hala and trying recipes. And then we shared some of the pictures of our personal bakes on social media, and people got excited. So then we created an Instagram account, and then we created a website and started sharing the blogs, and it just sort of grew from there.
1: Hi, I'm Beth Shanker, host of The Big Schmear, and I'm so glad to have you join me for this episode. My guest today is Sarah Klegman, co-founder with Alina Talitman-Giddig of Halahub, a very cool Hala baking company located in Los Angeles. Hi Sarah, welcome to The Big Schmear. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to meet you, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you about Halahub. I'm sorry Alina can't join us, but I know that you're going to have no trouble filling me in on all the challah news. I I
0: try to hold it down without her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For those not familiar with hub yet, it's a subscription-based challah delivery company in Los Angeles. They make the usual and customary challah you think of that has a special place on your Shabbat table. But they also offer some amazing new flavors like mint chocolate chip, matcha. S'mores, jalapeno guira, and pumpkin white chocolate hala. They also do lots of things with braids and colors, and it's a really cool company. So I'm, I'm excited about telling all my listeners about this company and um, sharing a little bit about who you are and how you got to this place. So maybe we'll start with um, trying to go, not go too far back in your life, but I'm wondering where did you grow up and Did cooking play an important role in your life as you were growing up?
0: Sure. Um, So the one thing I'll say, too, first of all, thank you for that awesome introduction of uh, what we do at Hollow Hub. We do lots of different things. We actually used to be subscription-based, but now we just do home delivery the first Friday um, of every month all over Los Angeles. And then we do special events and pop-ups and things like that. But back to your question. I'm originally from Michigan. Um, I grew up baking challah with my mom as soon as I could reach the counter, but never really considered myself a great cook or a fantastic baker. I've always been a fantastic challah baker, but that's a very niche market Um, (laughs) and always loved it. Uh, But yeah, I grew up in northern Michigan and then went to school in Chicago, and now I live in Los Angeles, which is where I've been for 11 years now. Uh, But very shortly, I am moving to New York.
1: Oh wow. Well we'll find out more about that. That's pretty cool actually. And so I'm in Chicago and so um cool that we have that Chicago connection. Oh, yeah. That, that's really neat. So when you were when you were baking Hollow with your mom, which sounds like just a really lovely family tradition, did you feel more connected to being Jewish in that way or was it more just like hanging out with your mom and getting a bake?
0: Well so my connection to my Judaism and Jewish culture has been something that, I mean, clearly has been really important to me throughout my life. But when we moved when I was about 10 years old from one town in Michigan that had a lot of Jews and one town in Michigan that had very few Jews. Um, and that was where I mostly grew up in Traverse City, Michigan. So I was the only Jewish kid in my school, and we were kind of conservative, reformed. But every Friday night, like no matter what I was doing socially, All my friends knew that if they wanted to hang out with me on Friday, they were coming to Shabbat dinner first. That was just the thing. So the ritual of it was just always something that was in in my life. I think the part of baking challah, the, the physical act of baking challah for me is really like meditative when I do it on my own. The nature of what it is, of course, it's like Jewish. But I would say when it comes to making me feel more connected to my Judaism through challah, that didn't happen until really until we started Hala Hub, and the reason that made me feel more connected to my Judaism is because it now involved other people. Like it was a community thing that we're doing. We're doing these, you know, group baking sessions where, you know, the reason that people have challahs in the center of their table all over Los Angeles. Like it's really, really cool. And so that part of me has definitely made me feel much more connected to sort of global Jewry um, <laughs> and the Jewish community and just but the act of baking itself, I mean, that's really mostly just about the carbs. So
1: <laughs> So I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, um, a doctor who wrote a book called Braided. Are you familiar with that book? First of no, all, um, I'm not. Uh, a Journey of a Thousand Halas. And so I was. I interviewed, I think my last episode, is with um, Beth Ricconati, who is a, actually a physician. And she talks about, it is a memoir, and she talks about, of course, how to make challah. But she talks about the meditative part of that. That was sort of how she got started making baking. And she did this as an adult. And of course, that lots of things grew out of that. But my point is, there's really something to be said about that ritual of making bread. There's there's something cool about that.
0: For sure. Clearly, I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah, clearly. I am, um, I'm preaching to the choir. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about Alina and how you met in conjunction with this company that you have
0: sure sure so Alina and I met at uh, a brunch when a mutual friend came to visit me in Los Angeles uh like oh my gosh like five years ago now and Alina lived in Germany and she moved to the states you know I shouldn't even I don't even know how long ago I feel like less than 10 years ago but she's like a super genius who knows everyone and speaks a thousand languages and is like the best business partner a girl could ever ask for. But so we have a mutual friend uh, who was visiting me and staying here. And she was like, oh, I have a friend who just moved here from Berlin. Like, do you want to go get brunch with her? Uh, And I was like, sure, I love brunch. And every time someone (laughs) comes to stay with me, I bake Kala. So we went to brunch and our mutual friend introduced us and I was showing pictures of, of challah that I had baked and Alina only found out that she was Jewish when she was I think like 12 and so she was at this sort of point in her life where she's like I want to learn to bake challah like I will buy your brunch if you teach me to bake challah and I was like deal love a free brunch um, <laughs> Who doesn't? so we started baking together and our friendship really hasn't existed without challah the first time we hung out was with to bake challah and then she asked me what kind of weird stuff I had ever put into hala, and it wasn't that weird. So we just started experimenting and hanging out and baking hala and trying recipes. And then we shared some of the pictures of our personal bakes on social media and people got excited. So then we created an Instagram account and then we created a website and started sharing the blogs and it just sort of grew from there. But in the meantime, throughout all of this, Hub has really just been a... Passion project for us. It's, you know, we only do deliveries once a week. Um, and she and I both have a lot of other things that we do in our lives. Like she has a really awesome neon company where she makes these like incredible like custom neon signs. She also works for um this that nail polish brand, Orly, O-R-L-Y. They have like this really cool pop-up um in Los Angeles where she does like community events. I'm a, a storyteller and a writer and a podcast producer. Um, I just finished my first book, and I also do like tours around the world, doing storytelling and and workshops and speaking on you know women's wellness and and all different kinds of things. So Halahub is is a really fun thing that we've been able to put our personalities into and a lot of our Jewish identity into, and it's been yeah a passion project between sort of two two friends that always. Hala has always been involved in our friendship.
1: (laughs) What an incredible story. You know, all parts of it. How did you, although I can kind of imagine this, but how did you come up with the name?
0: (laughs) That was all Alina. I was very reluctant to, well, first of all, the name wasn't going to be the name of the company. The name was just going to be the name of the Instagram that we were creating. Like when we first were creating the Instagram we were just thinking this would be a place where we'll share fun pictures of our bakes and repost pictures of other people's bakes so we were like oh well it's going to be the, the, the place for all things holla, the hub for all things holla. and she's like how about holla hub and I'm like eh, that's fine I guess <laughs> but everyone loves it so it's stuck
1: that's so funny um and so it just kind of grew from there do you do you were you kind of surprised at it sounds like it grew fast But um, Uh, um, maybe it wasn't if it was, if you were, you know, in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it grew actually. I mean, we've been doing it for like four years now. So I would say it's not necessarily that it grew quickly. I would just say it's sort of ever evolving. Like when we started the Instagram, I think now we have like 12,000, 13,000 followers. I think it probably took about a year for us to get over 10,000, I think. Whoa. is relatively quick, I guess. But at the time, we were the first Instagram really doing crazy hala stuff. Now there's a lot of really cool people. Mandylicious challah is doing really cool stuff. There's like a bunch of other ones too. But at the time, we were the only place to go get like delicious food porn that's just hala. <laughs> Um, So people got really excited about it. And, but the way that the company grew and, and evolved, as I said, was really organic. Like we, we had the Instagram and we were sharing these recipes and then people asked if they could taste the challahs and we're like, well, all right, I guess we could just, you know, get like a cool grant from like a small, you know, Jewish organization and, and be able to finance, you know, making, you know, 30 odd different flavors of challah and taking over a cool space, like say in downtown Los Angeles and inviting out a bunch of really cool people to come um, and just have a cool event where they could taste challah. So we would do a bunch of those. And then we started working with the Downtown Women's Center um, and creating – like inviting a bunch of people to come and learn how to bake challah, but also to bake challah for for women in the shelter. So doing interesting community things like that. And then we toyed around with the idea. We wanted to experiment with the idea of like, you know, scaling our own recipes. Um, Neither of us have aspirations to be the challah challah queens of the universe or to take over That you know, it's just this – really fun thing that we get to do that it keeps sort of creating and growing on its own seemingly. But so yeah, so we started doing uh, the bread festival, learning how to scale our recipes. um, And then we talked about how we don't really have an interest in having a physical storefront bakery because that's just like so much work, but we would be interested in doing delivery. So then we partnered with Uber when they were testing, first testing their Uber Eats, their Uber Eats, uh capabilities and basically did a test of the business model where we did like a challah hub takeover where people could order hala from a lot of different bakeries all over los angeles um, and get them delivered to kind of test the interest and people got excited by it so we did another one with that with uber where we used our own recipes and really learned a lot with scaling and and delivery um, and ultimately working with uber was a total pain in the butt Um, and not fun at all. So since then, we uh, built our own online ordering system and little, you know, fleet of delivery drivers. Um, And we experimented with doing, you know, subscription where people could sign up and get it every Friday. Um, And that didn't work as well as we hoped. Um, So now we just do home delivery the first Friday of every month. And we do a lot of different pop-ups and still all of our, you know, wild Instagram posts. And um, sometimes we'll do, you know, live... Facebook videos. We also do um, Your videos are great on your site. Thank you. Yeah, we do some silly stuff. We had one video with BuzzFeed that got like well over 10 million views that is really cool where I'll get people, especially at like Jewish events where they'll sort of like stare at me for a minute and they'll be like, are you, wait, are you, <laughs> are you guys holla hub from that video? I was like, yeah. We did something with, um, uh, PBS is the great British baking show too. Um, so it's, it's, About the Hala, but really there's, Hala Hub is, the Hala part of Hala Hub is actually not even the biggest
1: part. (laughs) No, it sounds like you're, well, first of all, what's really impressive is how many models you tried out and experimented with, and um, I know you said bakery would be a lot of work, a physical bakery, and I get that, but it also sounds like you put an immense amount of time and effort and energy into figuring out which model was going to work the best, so that's really dedication that's great
0: yeah well you know i mean it's for us again it's 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 something that you know we've been approached by like investors and things like that but like my You know, our dreams are not, you know, I don't want my whole life to be HalaHub. I love it. But like the hustle that we have, you know, my, my like life hustle is, is more my life as an artist and Hub has been able to support that in incredible ways just because since we haven't taken on investors or, and we haven't really tried to blow it up in a really big way, it's been, we've been able to find success and still stay really true to ourselves that's why like our branding is bright pink and our captions on Instagram are moderately inappropriate and you know we can say whatever we want and we can mm-hmm. play around with flavors and so that part of it has always been really important to us from the moment that Alina was like oh this could be a business i was like well, that sounds like a lot of work And, uh, and she was like, okay, well, well, you know, what do you love doing and what do I love doing and what do you dislike doing? And it just so happens that she loves doing all the things that I do not like doing. Um, and I like doing all the things that she doesn't like doing. And so our agreement is as long as it stays fun, we keep doing it. And, uh, here we are years later.
1: Wow. Well, and it sounds like for, at least for now that the act of baking challah is really, what is the basis of your friendship and kind of glues the two of you together, which is kind of a cool thing.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's really, we, we actually, when we do deliveries these days, we have bakers and a bakery partnership that does them, but she and I still do all of our like, you know, experimenting for new flavors. And that is by far like my favorite time, like my favorite work that we get to do. Like I love writing and the, the appearances that we do in the classes and all that stuff so much. But I also just love when she and I just get to be in the kitchen, like putting weird stuff into bread.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I was going to ask you about that because I I find, you know, working with another person in the creative process could be either really challenging or really frustrating or incredibly magical. And so I wonder, I'm just kind of curious how the two of you do your inventing. Do you each have specific roles or is it a mishmash or what's it like?
0: It's like all of the things you said. Alina is... Fantastic in that she is, I don't know if it's like her German background or anything, but she she will just always tell you how it is. And I love that about her. And we always joke that like when we're doing classes, like you, you might ask us a question, but you'll get two different answers from both of us. Like, we have very different opinions on things. Like, Alina, like, the sort of, like, do you rip a holla or do you cut a holla? Like, I'm a cutter and she's a ripper. Like, it's a foundational difference in our friendship, but it's fine. (laughs) You know, she, she might be, you know, in the kitchen, I am notoriously messy. Like, I just, I'm like a tornado going through the kitchen and she just, like, follows me around and sort of rolls her eyes at me. You know, or, like, I'm a lot more kind of like wild and outspoken Um, Alina kind of reels me in sometimes but a lot of times you know Alina has Alina is I might be like a writer performer but Alina is has this like artistic creative especially when it comes to food this like brain that like comes up with these crazy ideas that I would never think of and she gets a lot we get a lot of inspiration from just everyday foods or like things that we encounter so like you know our matcha um, our matcha hala. It was her idea, one that we – we don't sell this version of it, but we tested one, and she's like, what if we put, like, white chocolate chips in it? And nowadays, like, you see that in some pastries and things like that, but when we experimented with that, I was like, that sounds gross. Like, that sounds weird. Like, white chocolate and matcha, and she's like, let's just try it. (laughs) So we both have – we both come with ideas, and, you know, even though I've been baking Hala, you know, longer than she has, you know, Alina, I think, is better at – you know, Alina can do a six-strand braid better than I can – I do like Hala like sculptures and weird things like that. Like one time we made like the Grateful Dead Bears out of Hala, or I made like a Darth Vader out of Hala, or like this weird castle. And so that kind of stuff, <laughs> like that sort of sculpture weird shapes. That like I love that. And she does crazy braids and loves coming up with like wild ideas and things to put in there. But it's it's really like both of us. Like the mint chocolate chip was I don't even I, I feel like that was maybe my idea, but at this point, it's like, they're all of our ideas. I don't even yeah. remember. We just, we just sort of brainstorm weird stuff and try it out, but we're pretty supportive of each other, but we definitely if you ever come to one of our classes and you see what happens when people ask us questions, like, we will shamelessly disagree and sort of, in a hopefully entertaining way, kind of playfully bicker in front of whoever is around, because it's, I mean, that's also a very Jewish thing.
1: It <laughs> is, for sure. Um,
0: for sure, yeah.
1: So tell me, what is, of all the holla testing and inventions that you've done so far what's your favorite mint chocolate
0: chip (laughs) hands down mostly because it's bright green and everyone gets confused when they look at it my favorite thing is to watch someone when they taste it like if we'll be at a festival or something and they'll be like what is this i'm like oh you can try it and they'll sort of furrow their brow and then they'll you know sort of hesitantly go in and grab a piece and They'll put it in their mouth and they'll chew. And usually by like the second or third chew, like their eyebrows like raise and their eyeballs get really big and they just start looking around them for the nearest person. They can grab and be like, oh, my God, you have to try this. Um, That's so insane. cool. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. So I definitely like the mint chocolate chip, yeah.
1: And what about the actual process of making challah? Is there a favorite step that you really enjoy the most?
0: Yes, I do have a favorite step in the process of making challah. Um, Rolling out the strands is my favorite because – and when we do classes and stuff, I I love teaching this to people – if you're really gentle and you sort of make like a little butterfly with your hands and you, you know, press down in the center of the strand and you roll down as – and you sort of pull down as you roll out and you roll all the way till the dough reaches your fingertips and you can feel the little teeny air bubbles coming out of the dough. Um, which is the reason, like, while you while you knead the dough is to get out, like, the big air bubbles. But what happens when you're rolling the strands out is if you're, like, really... If you put your brain in your fingertips, um, you can really feel the little bubbles come out. And that part is really meditative to me. That's And also just, like, the sort of repetitive motion of it. But, yeah, the little the little bubbles.
1: It, in fact, I was just re-watching one of your videos, and I watched you do that very process. And um, it was it was so it was just so cool to watch. It's kind of a beautiful motion. And then you yeah. and then you see this strand sort of come to life, right? It's, it's a clump of dough. And then suddenly, it's a strand that's going to be braided. And it, it's just cool.
0: Totally, totally.
1: So you mentioned um, a lot of other things that you do. And you also mentioned that you're moving to New York. So tell us more about what Sarah does and what kind of fun things she's into.
0: Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, pretty much everything I do um, as like an artist creatively, it's all storytelling. And a lot of the stuff that I tend to focus on uh, might be the things that people shy away from. I had a, uh, a podcast called What's Wrong With You where I interviewed successful people about times they failed uh, and things that are wrong with them. The idea being, it was really like a very personal journey disguised as a very public podcast for me, but it uh, was all about this idea that, thank you, (laughs) yeah, it was uh, all this idea that like failure and success are intrinsically linked and you're only as flawed as you believe yourself to be. Um, A lot of the, uh, I do like a lot of live storytelling performance. Um, I got hearing aids when I was 27, which sort of opened up my world to a number of things. And so I give talks on on that process and on just like accessibility. That said, I also do a lot of um, arguably uh, appropriate comedic storytelling just from things from my life. Before before this time um, in my life, I was a creative marketing executive for an international tech company with a focus in social media apps. And then before that, I was a talent manager and producer in the stand-up comedy space. Um, So I've lived a few lives. And now I'm really focused. Um, I just finished a book, which hopefully will be more of an audio book. Well, it's gonna be both. You can actually read the book, but for me, my preferred mechanism as an artist uh, for you to experience my writing is for me to give it to you through my face. Um,
1: can you tell me can you tell so, us the name of the book and and what it's about?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, so it is called Fat Unicorn Turkey Baby: The Making of a Shameless Girl." <laughs> Um, and it's essentially a memoir told by, uh, by way of every time I've, I've failed and everything that's that's wrong with me. It's also being developed into a sort of additional book titled To Be Decided. That's more of a self-development book That's the, um, just sort of a, takes, takes the things that I learned in my life and uh, puts them into these sort of different bite-sized pieces where there's also, you know, like an expert uh, that's involved. Um, so... I was also sort of misdiagnosed with like severe clinical recurring depression at one point in my life um, and then later did a lot of different work um, health-wise to sort of discover that that was actually an incorrect diagnosis and part of the reason I have hearing aids is because I was put on medication that I had an adverse reaction to. So it's this… The things that i love doing and talking about are is this idea of sort of shame and personal growth and how shame is like total bs and how everyone is so like beautifully flawed and those are actually the things that bring us together Hmm. um, and connect us more um so a lot of the stories in the book it's all very real but it's also very comedic i hope (laughs) um no it is and all the stories that i tell when i do performance all have um an aspect of that so it's this idea that, like, I don't mind, you know, I, I've, I've gone through the sort of journey personally to not be ashamed about any of these things about myself. And the thing that I've learned being able to travel, which Hala Hub actually, I do um, Limud, which is this Jewish learning festival all over the world. And I've done them in, in the UK and in Paris and in South Africa and all over the States. And every time I do that, and I do, I do halibrading workshops there, um, but I also do live storytelling. And the thing that I found was the more that I was able to be authentic and vulnerable and the more that I was able to sort of shamelessly show my insecurities or vulnerabilities, the easier it made for other people to live honestly as well. Um, And that to me just became really, really powerful. So even though um, that idea might not be directly uh, in HALAHUB, one of our little slogans is we like weirdos <laughs> um, and that's why we sort of are you know, not necessarily scared to do something strange with this tradition that's been around for thousands and thousands of years and take it as an opportunity for um, sort of playfulness within our identity, um, but again, because because we've kept Hala Hub sort of small and true to ourselves, when I go to these festivals and I'm representing, you know, a company, Hub as a business, I can also be really confident to do all these other things that I do in my life knowing that it's also true to that brand and knowing that like my business partner is cool with it and all of our fans know who we are and so they're cool with that as well. So it's been a really miraculous journey that's kind of oddly intertwined, not unlike Hala.
1: Right, exactly. Um, What a great story. I just, I love all the aspects of it. I have to say that one thing, well, let me, I, I'm sorry, let me interrupt myself and say a couple of things. Uh, the first is that Sarah and Alina have graciously offered to let us post one of their hala recipes on the webs on my website, which I will do. So that's really great, and, and thank you for that. The other thing is, I find this really interesting. It seems like this is happening in lots of little places pockets and sometimes unusual places and sometimes places as large as Los Angeles and Chicago. And that is, there's all these little places cropping up where people are doing virtual bakeries or virtual cooking. I'm thinking right now of Hala. There's a, a number of them all over the country, and they don't have a real bakery. They are virtual. People are doing deliveries, or you can pick up, or... Um, there's all kinds of variations on your model. and and uh, I feel like it's a Hal movement. And I wonder if you have that sense as well, and if you have any ideas about why?
0: I would say that it is a Jewish food movement. And I would say the why is the internet. There's a really cool global community of Jewish foodies that I, we've been really, like, humbled to be a part of. If you play around and go on Instagram and look at, like, you know, hashtag Jewish food or anything, you'll just fall down this really cool rabbit hole. And I think what's going on is there's so much about, you know, obviously Jews were, we're all over the world, and but we all love food. Um, thankfully. And thankfully. And, and there is so much to play with with Jewish food. And I think because of the internet um, and social media and Instagram, we're able to see what other people are doing and get inspiration and share ideas and share recipes. I remember when I was, um, so so all of our, our, our challah is kosher and also vegan. So I was traveling in Turkey and one Instagrammer had told me about this amazing vegan restaurant. And so I went there and it was just this incredible experience meeting the owner and she had me try all these different things and I told her how I found out about her. And the next day, I was actually going to be flying to Israel and going to this restaurant in Tel Aviv, the person that had actually recommended me to go to this restaurant in Turkey. And she said, oh my gosh, we've been messaging on Instagram about this like vegan lentil loaf that I'm experimenting with. Would you bring her
1: a piece of it? No, that's too much. And I was like, Oh
0: my god, yeah, like amazing. <laughs> so you know, of course, like I get to like customs, and they're like, Did anyone give you anything to bring over the border? And I'm like, I oh, just had to lie because I'm not gonna be like a lentil loaf. Like I'm gonna go to prison for a lentil loaf. But so you know, I got I got it through security, and uh, and I brought it to the person in uh, in Israel who had connected me with this girl in Turkey, and it was just really amazing. So I think the thing that's happening is globally. Jews are getting more connected and sharing their their food experiences um, in a way that is really accessible, really playful, and with, you know, with everything that's happening when it comes to, like, e-commerce and people being able to, you know, create small businesses and in a much, you know, it's much more accessible to create your, your start your own business these days. So I think it's a combination of this, like, really awesome sort of badass generation of Jewish foodies utilizing... Basically, just Jews around the world are, are much more connected these days, and everyone looks loves looking at food, mo- kittens, and food uh, on the internet. So, we're one of those things. I think that I think that's why it's happening. All of those things are just so much more accessible these days.
1: I think you're right. It certainly makes a lot of sense on so many levels. I think mm-hmm. I think I'll close, and just before I do that, I'm going to ask you one other question, which is, do you and Alina have? Any special plans for the future of Halahub? Hub? Do you see it growing in any certain ways, or are you gonna just kind of do your thing and see what happens?
0: Like <laughs> a, a little bit of all of the above. Um, we uh, we're working on a gluten-free recipe, uh, which I say with like only a little reluctance, just because from day one people are like, "When are you gonna do gluten-free Hala? And we're like, "Well." We only make delicious hala and I have not found a way yet to make delicious gluten-free hala. So we've we've gotten closer and closer. So we might have a gluten-free hala coming out soon. And if we do, the tagline for it will be Hala Hub's gluten-free hala. You won't hate it. <laughs> so, so that'll be that. And then we um, we also uh, and this one's kind of kind of wild and out there. We recorded a, a hala rap song that was actually, it's actually way too good um, for a comedy song about Hala. One of our good friends is like a very legit music producer and it started out as a total joke. Um, And then pretty soon we were in the studio and actually doing the thing. So we've been waiting to release it until like our online store is built out a little bit more um, because we know that once it comes out, probably people are going to be excited about it. So we want to be able to also capitalize on it. So Slowly but surely, we've been building out our online store. There's a hala cover there. We have aprons. We have another little towel on there. So probably our, our wild music video will uh, will hit the internet at some point this year. Um, and then besides that, we're just doing a lot of really cool partnerships with different food companies, baking their stuff into our halas. Doing a bunch of different like appearances. I'll be doing more festivals around the world, so you can come see me at braiding workshops and things like that. And then we also might do some pop-ups around Los Angeles. But besides that, yeah, we're just going to keep making the hala and keep having fun as long as keep people keep eating carbs.
1: Yeah, and that's an important thing. <laughs> Got to yeah. keep eating those carbs. So yeah. if people want to find that online shopping and more information about you and hopefully soon get to hear this song, which I now can't wait to hear, how do <laughs> they find you?
0: Sure, you can get us at halahub.com dot bcom or on Instagram at hollahub. Um, and if you have something outside the box, uh, you can always also email us at holla at com. Um, but yeah, everything is on our website. Our store is on our website. Um, so you can find all of it at hollahub.com.
1: Sarah, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy life to yeah. chat with me because it's just great to hear about exciting new businesses, and in particular, because this podcast is all about Jewish food, uh, hearing about new businesses that are related to Jewish food. And and I love talking to people with a passion for what they're cooking up in their kitchens. So thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll look forward to keeping my eye on Hala Hub and see what whatever you guys are up to next.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to The Big Shmear, our recording engineer in California was Joanna Clay. Our engineer and editor in Chicago was Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Please send your email to beth at thebigshmear.com. And be sure to check out my website, TheBigSchmeer.com, to find recipes shared by my guests. Thanks for listening, and happy eating!